Those cars should cease <laughs> to exist. <laughs> a Mazda? Come on, bro. But that Miata, I mean, that's a lot of Miata. I mean, Mazda doesn't exist anymore, right? They're a handful. I don't know. Have you ever driven one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have. Uh, I have, I too. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been crammed into a when Mazda I, Miata with a shoehorn. Can you I imagine seeing handful, me? I, let me just re-clarify, because a handful is really more like... It's not really a handful at all. It's more... <laughs> it's like yeah. hamsters. It's a handful of hamsters. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty Cramming bad, but they're me really in a Mazda light. Miata is like... Yeah. Yeah, that'd be bad. They don't have a lot of seat adjustment either. No. You feel like you're touching the ground. It's like a glorified sled, like an ice sled when you're snow when you're in the snow in the winter as a kid and you're sitting down there trying to hope you don't hit a tree because you have no control. That's like that. Only because you're sitting so low, only there's an engine and wheels around you. Yeah, I think one of the safety features is that the tires are so close to the four corners and if you get, you know, hit by somebody, then it's gonna hit the tires first. Yeah, but then the rest of it just collapses and it rolls over you because it's less. It's like four inches off the, the ground. The mass is more concentrated. That car is stronger, <laughs> stronger than the average car. I think we're, I think we're overthinking how good those things are. <laughs> there, there's like a foot of real material. Whoa, that semi was about to show that Miata. There's a reason <laughs> why Mazdas don't exist anymore. <laughs> that Miata could have slid underneath the entire trailer of that semi at any given point. So, yeah. No, that's a good point, but I don't I didn't think they really, should exist anymore. I didn't either. really have a point. I just I think we were just making fun of Mazdas. I can't believe zoom, that, zoom. That, that car still exists. <laughs> zoom, zoom. Um, all right. Well, ready to ready to go to that cool topic. I have a topic. Well, you have a topic slash I have a topic. I'm interested in it. I think it's a really good one to discuss. Are you sure? I'm. This one is. It's interesting. This one's interesting. I agree, and I. But you, I think we're finally at the point where. This type of topic is reasonable to discuss because it's pertinent to the growth of our sport, and I think it demonstrates how the sport itself has consistently evolved to further refine all the rules that we have, the why on, we have them. The only thing that makes me nervous about discussing it is how emotional some people, people get. get. Yeah. So, but I agree. It is what but it is. I mean, I think that's, that's kinda, why I want to talk about it because. Yeah. I don't feel that there should be a ton of emotion about it. I agree. Um, and I, I do think that the closer it's, I can see how, and we haven't said what it is yet, but I think you'll understand why here in a minute if we, if we actually decide to send <laughs> this one. Um, <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, it will. Um, reshoots. So yeah. rule 3.5 in the PRS rules is, covers the, is, a, is the section that covers reshoots. Um, and specifically, you know, when you think about a sport as it's first getting going, right? Imagine the very first match. And, oh, hey, MD, like, you said we were supposed to shoot this target, but it's there is no target there. Oh, uh, okay, well, yeah, you're right. I have the wrong yardage or something. Like, hey, just go ahead and everybody start, start over and reshoot that stage. Well, fast forward, like, we don't make mistakes like that anymore. Or, you know, I'm sure if it was just a buddy match when we first started, you could have got up, hey, man, I just, I totally biffed on that. If it's not a sanctioned sport, for instance, you just, I biffed on that. I'm going to reshoot it and just start over because, well, I, I didn't. I didn't even have my mag loaded or something. I could see how in the past, you know, when that first sport first started, that may not have been a part of it. But then all of a sudden, fast forward, as we become more organized, meaning this is way before like PRS, it's just buddy shooting. Now we're at the point where the entire body has rules to make sure we are all on a competitive playing field. 
and to firm, preface, firm, 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 and, and consistent. Firm, yes. fair, and consistent. I like to use those three words. I think that's a really good set of words. Yeah. The triple F, yep. um, just like gunpowder, uh, black powder. But the the rules that we have in place in PRS, you know, there are a, we have a lot of money spent to become a PRS competitor. We invest a lot of time. We invest a lot of money. Invest a lot of practice, uh, time away from our families. Is it investment, really? I, I think it's. I'm saying the word invest because I do Very think loosely. we get something back out of it. I okay, mean, okay. I think yeah. we may not be monetary. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that might be negative, but it's at least you get some enjoyment. And maybe in some cases, you know, people think winning is something that they're willing to invest more money in in order to get the gratification and satisfaction out of a win or a top five or a ten or a trophy. So, ultimately, what we put in. We're expecting to get something back in return of value. And if it's an inconsistent playing field from match to match or place to place, we end up kind of devaluing the success that we have or the lack of success seems like it's unfair due to uh, missing rule or missing rules or ill-defined mm-hmm. rules. So yeah. I don't know where we should start with this one, but I think maybe we just jump off and let's just read. I'm going to read this because I think this is an important one. We don't want to start off this with, you know, uh, the half wrong, the half the, yeah, half yeah. the information. So we're going to actually literally read it. This section in the PRS rules, which you can download on the website. Um, is These are the current 2022 current, 2022 rules. Right. Yep. So 3.5 reshoots. Section 3.5.1. Reshoot. So shall only be permitted in the event of in the event of an interruption of the stage that was outside the control of the shooter. This may include broken targets. Called cease fires for any reason not called by the shooter. <laughs> uh, we'll stop too. Uh, it's of course, to I have it. Yeah, um, a broken prop, shooting or, or shooting support, or any other deemed reasonable by the match director. In other words, the match director has the ability to create what's deemed reasonable. Um, the reshoots will not be permitted for. I'm going to zoom in a little bit here uh, as we're driving. It's bumpy. Reshoots will not be permitted for equipment malfunctions unless the firearm was provided as a house gun, i.e. your gun goes down and you're using a backup or loaner rifle from the house, then yeah, they could reshoot it because nobody has policed that equipment, um, potentially. Nor, and it says maybe, not will be, nor shall they be permitted for shooters who claim to have not understood the stage rules after the stage begins, parenthesis, stage begins when the time has started, nor permitted due to stage uh, due to variations or irregularities in the RO commands, shooters who are granted a reshoot uh, must reshoot the stage in the same manner with the exact same equipment. That's just 3.5.1. There's also 3.52.3.4.41.42.55 and 5.6. Uh, I'm just going to briefly para- paraphrase some of these, but Dot two with MD approval, the RO can the RO can give a shooter the option for the reshoot without having been asked by the shooter if the RO observes an incident which hindered the shooter. Uh, again, to rephrase that, if the RO observes something that happens, you know somebody throws something and it misses the person it was intended for, it hits the shooter mids, uh, and it causes them to drop a point or two. Like, hey, we're going to give you the option of a reshoot, even maybe if they hit it, but they probably wouldn't take it. Um, that might be something, or a bird, or something weird Beasting. happens. Beasting. I don't know. There, there could be a reason, I'm sure, but the RO has the option to call the MD and then also say, here's the situation. I think this, we should grant this shooter an option for a reshoot. That's rule 5-2. Uh, 
5.3.5.3, uh, a shooter a shooter can request a reshoot if he or she believes one is warranted. I.e., if you just think I deserve a reshoot, you can make your request. The, the shooter will have a period of two minutes to explain the grievance to an RO. The RO will then contact the match director to determine if a reshoot can be granted. So, shooter gives talks to the RO. I think I should get a reshoot. Would you please call the match director? Yes, after two minutes of explanation, they call the match director. Hey, shooter thinks there's a match. This is a reason for a reshoot. What do you think? And the MD makes the call, or he comes over and they have a discussion, and then they make the call. Um, three, five dot four. There are two types of reshoots in a competition, in a PRS competition. A full reshoot means the shooter will run the entire course of fire from start to finish over again, i.e., the whole stage. Three, five, four dot two is a partial reshoot, which means the shooter is placed in the exact same spot they were at the time of the stoppage, and will have the exact amount of time placed back on the clock. Uh, which was remaining at the time of the stoppage, if either the position or the time cannot be determined, the shooter must take a full reshoot. So if you don't know exactly where and when you were stopped, you have to shoot the whole thing. There is no partial option. 3 to 5.5, once a shooter reshoots a stage, they must take the reshoot score. In other words, if you choose to exercise a reshoot, that is your score, full stop. 3.5.6, mulligans are defined or mulligans defined as an authorized, quote, second try or, quote, do-over of a stage is not permitted in any PRS-sanctioned match. So those are all the rules directly related to reshoots, and they have changed a little over time. Unfortunately, this is the 2022 rule, so in the 21 and the earlier variant of this, there are actually highlights that show, you know, which parts were amended and added. But if I recall, I think we know which ones were sort of the clarifications that were amended over time. Yeah, and usually that happens in the rule book. That'll be highlighted yellow for the new season that it's being applied in, mm-hmm. and then that yellow will go away, and so that each year you can see any rules that have been updated. Yeah, yeah, the first segment and the variations in those are, are good to compare, and it's, you know, just generally speaking in rules, I think we as shooters, we are all a part of this sport, so we owe it to the sport to have civil discourse and good discussion about rules but also in the larger context of what's best to help our sport grow. And that could mean a couple of different things. What's helped to help our sport grow in terms of sheer numbers. What's best to help our sport continue to remain viable. Um, What's best to help our sport have the best possible reputation amongst people who aren't shooters. Like there are, there's actually a lot of ways to look at what's best for our sport. So I think that's why when we have discussions in some of the MD boards and, you know, in the committees that we have, I'm a part of that on the rimfire side, so I get to see some of that discussion, uh, far less so on anything centerfire. But we do have input as you know, as shooters. We have input to our regional directors and our national directors to make suggestions, and our match directors, to make suggestions to new rules, rules changes, modifications, and there's a process that's outlined in the rule book to submit for rule changes. So if anyone's listening to this and you think, man, I, I hate that rule. Hey, if you hate it, then just write out a pretty short but sweet, succinct argument as to what you the rule, what you don't like, why you don't like it, and what your proposed, this last part's the most important, your proposed change that would help alleviate the potential, you know, problem with the current rule. And the board gets the vote And the it. board, yep, that usually goes from your match director to a regional MD, or if you, if you know the regional, you can send it to them, but usually it's through a match director. Um, send it to, they get it to the regional, the regional will then put it to the committee, the committee will read it, and if enough votes happen, it gets actually put to a real, like, vote, where they all get to vote on it again, so to speak, to make sure 
uh, yep, we all agree this should be a part of the rules for this season. Mm-hmm. That's a it's a very democratic process that way. Like there's nothing in these rules that is not gone through the committee um, that I'm aware of anyway that that doesn't get voted on by the greater body of MDs, regional directors, and board members. That is a huge aspect to how the sport has continued to evolve and maintain its growth at the current level. So um, why don't we start with, well, I mean, let's just do it. Uh, let's talk about your reshoots. You've had a couple, you think you have t- is it two now total? I can think of a few different scenarios. And as you're reading those rules, um, I was trying to figure out which ones they fall into. And I know there's some rule changes in that section directly due to one of the incidents yep. we're going to probably, you know, flush out today. So um, I guess I was going to ask you the same question because I don't think you've actually had or I definitely have, haven't taken advantage of. I haven't of, taken one, right. but I had, there was one that I, um, so I had, I guess I'll explain my situation. And um, I think we've talked about it in a previous episode, but it's worth repeating. In probably. this context, it yep. makes, it might make more sense uh, to get you thinking about larger rules. Yeah. So yep. um, in Ohio, uh, we shot a match where... I forget which year, but it was within the last two years or three years. Sometime in my career, <laughs> um, there was a specific stage that we shot the entire one through ten day one, and there was one stage, I think it was ten, where a yardage change had occurred. And in that brief, I caught it day one when we did our first brief on Saturday morning. Um, they noted that the yardage was different, and I never heard anything in that brief that said anything regarding, say, day two. If it did happen, I missed it. Day two, on the other hand, we walked to the same stage, which is now the same location, but they're slightly different targets. But they're hung on the same T-posts. So I didn't know that. I mean, I'd never been to this range. I'm not familiar with it. So looking at the T-posts, I wouldn't think like, oh, that's a new... Like, it's the same T-post because I'm not super familiar with it. I didn't realize if it was wrong from day one... And between day two, like, why didn't they just fix it for day two? That's what I didn't yeah, yeah, that understand. Was, and and I, I, remember I feel that. like you making an assumption was probably pretty fair, you know? And you never got a stage brief because they were doing, like, a yep. rolling start. So there was just a culmination of these two yep. to three to four things that um, you you got there. You only had a couple minutes to get prepped for the stage because it was a rolling start, and you yep. shot the stage. And so going from stage nine to stage ten, the day before that, we were basically real, moving with the squad. We all got a brief. Oh, yeah, I remember there's a yardage change. Yep, I've got it written down. No problem. The next day, in order to get going faster, everybody was instructed to move just as you started getting up there. I roll up to the stage, and I am, like, first or second to shoot real soon. Um, I'm not even... I'm prepping my gear, trying to get ready to shoot, and there was not... At least if there was given, you know, a, a range discrepancy, I was not aware of it. I did not hear it because I literally was putting everything together to get to the shoot. Walk from final shoot, shoot, get your stuff together, and get ready to shoot. Uh, get on the stage and I clean one through three, target four, miss, miss, over the top. No no clue. I don't know why. That doesn't make any sense. And then five, five, and shot five. And it was the first round on target five that I went, wait a second. If this is the same T-post, and it dawned on me that I bet that's the old, like yesterday's yardage that was corrected, but we didn't get that correction today, and it's not noted in the book. And we did a large, large sequence of all these changes on the prior day, including the second day. Just I didn't hear that stage. Well, uh, long story short, at the end of it, I'm like, I asked the RO, wait, was that target, is there a difference in that? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, that was a different. It was from, it's the same yardage as yesterday. It's like 30, 40 yards shorter than what was listed in the book or more. Enough to make a significant three to four tenths differential. You can't hit it. Um, and so 
RO comes over, RO talks to the MD, the MD says, yep, you have the option of a reshoot. And at the time, I'm like, you know... It was I real mirage. It was really mirage. I was <laughs> late in the day. I had dropped, I think, one shot up to that point, and then this caused me to drop two more. So I was three down on that day, uh, shooting really well. And I'm like, I was upset with it because I thought I could really just, I thought this was going to affect my ability to win the match, right? Because mm-hmm. it was that tight a match. And I did not opt to take the reshoot. I said, you know, I get it. Um, I, I wish I would have known but nothing i can do about it now no i'm not going to do the reshoot okay and then seconds later i'm like you know what i will well nope you already made your decision so this is where i give this match director credit because i said no not even 10 seconds later i said yes but i had already said no yeah held to the guns nope you said no it's done we're closed fair enough okay walk away and I actually really think that was the best call and it was a good example of you know when you have a rule book and you're following it if you <laughs> you make a decision if you, you waver, better you make a decision to, yeah yeah so i i agreed um yeah, i was so. bummed out for you because i was very nervous um and nobody could have known that you were just having a, a stellar day and you didn't you didn't need that but you never do know right and you never right. know how everybody else is shooting and it does feel kind of crappy when I go back to those three words, firm, fair, and consistent. When when something is not feeling fair or something is not consistent from shooter to shooter, from stage to stage, um, you know, it. Yep. that match director and you and that whole scenario worked out. Um, so I've been on the opposite side of that a couple times now, um, and we can talk about the oldest yep. one, which Meaning is still... You, you actually did take the reshoot. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. so... Um, and I think that I've seen quite a few people... Um, ask for reshoots and most most don't get the reshoot because it's usually an equipment failure and the rules clearly state that equipment failures are the shooter's responsibility so um here's an example which i think this happened to you before where you closed your bolt and something was wrong with your firing pin or something happened um and you needed a different bolt or something 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 happened a long time ago um those types of issues are on the shooter uh, because they can't stop the course of fire for, and let people reshoot for every little thing that could come up. Um, I actually had one at the finale last year. Um, it was so oh, cold. Yeah, stage one. Yeah, stage one. Get this oh, yeah. at the finale. Um, I lay down and um, and my gun won't fire, um, <laughs> and it's like twenty degrees out, and I must have got a little solvent or something inside my trigger over the course of the year, and uh, it was literally frozen. Like I cycled the bolt, dry fired a bunch of times, uh, finally got it to work, and it was fine the rest of the day. Um, but I, I got a 2 out of 12 or 2 out of 10 or something on the long-range stage because I didn't get to start firing until about 20 seconds to the end. And those are on the shooter. Like that was, yeah. I knew exactly um, how that was going to go if I brought that conversation up. And honestly, Shannon said he was um, over my shoulder because uh, it was the first stage and yep. we were in squad one. And he, he saw it going down and he's like, man, I felt so bad. But it is what it is, you know. Like it's a, it's an equipment issue. We've all had equipment issues and magazine issues and whatever else. Um, and you live and you learn. You do. Um, and on that, which is a kind of a weird parallel, but <laughs> I remember watching. I saw you three or four stages later, and you're like, "How'd this one go?" I'm like, "Man, it was good. I just like I think I cleaned this hard ass like pipe culver KYL, KYL rack, yeah. and then, you know it was very tough to clean, but I cleaned it." And I'm like, "How you doing?" He's like, "Man, I got two on my first stage," and I'm going. <laughs> Wow, sorry, man, but I'm shooting well. See, yeah. Yeah, well, lo and behold, three stages later, I pulled myself out of the match. So, yeah. <laughs> that said, I was, it was so disappointing to hear you say you got a two, but then I learned why. Yeah, and, and you know, we you fixed it. It's never happened since. 
No, I know there's, there's nothing I really no, could have known or it's hard. But it goes under the portion of the rules that is it's equipment malfunction that has nothing to do with the match, the match director, the RO, the commands, or anything outside of it. It's all within the shooter's control. Yeah. There is no way in which a reshoot would be warranted under those situations. Because if the shooter does not have gear that is a, has able to complete the stage from the side, do you understand it? Yes. And are you ready? Are you ready implies that everything about your system, your preparation, your knowledge, your understanding, and ability to perform the duties and tasks of the stage safely mm-hmm. are within your control. Yes. Beep. Now, all between safety, accuracy, precision, consistency, and being able to finish the course of fire, you've done everything you need. You've got it all with you. So that, that scenario you just called out, um, and then you said beep, is basically mm-hmm. exactly the scenario that allowed me to reshoot the stage that I'm going to yes. talk about because there was never a command that was very crucial for the mm-hmm. start of that stage. Um, so last last year's Collis match, um, it was it's always Memorial Weekend, and... Um, I hadn't won a pro match at this point. I was shooting really well day one, but I had dropped, you know, a couple more points than, than I would have preferred. But I f- was feeling really good about my day one. And I was the first shooter on the last stage of the first day. So um, I walked over there. I uh, started finding the targets while everybody else was coming over. Um, I got the course fire ready in my mind. I got my dope ready. And um, everybody showed up. He gave the stage brief. And um, and I'm standing there, and he says, uh, shooter, do you understand the course of fire? I say yes. Okay, engage. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. This feels rushed. Um, it was it was really fast. <laughs> like, if you were standing there, like, it was... And I was within earshot because I happened to be also putting mags together to shoot within a couple shooters. But I remember thinking, like, whew, we are really getting going quick today. Like, he wants to get us out of here. And no, Nothing in it, my mind yeah. thought to... So, I'm very diligent on not loading my rifle unless somebody tells me to because... The worst thing we can do is have a, a magazine and our rifle walking around, and I'm pretty disciplined with that. So I think you see where I'm going with this. Yep. Uh, he never gave me the command to load and make ready. And um, so I get up in the in the position, and it's in the back of that uh, trailer. Uh, I don't know what those types of trailers are called. It's a yeah, military. Like a half ton or yeah. deuce, modus type trailer. Yep. I build my position, uh, which included a tripod, tack table, rear, and a bag up front. And um, build my position. Um, I'm settling in on the target and I go to close my bolt and there's a chamber flag in there. And, uh, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a bummer, but I'm not going to freak out about it. Um, I pull the chamber flag and throw it beside me. I close my bolt and now I'm like, okay, well, I did not feel it go strip around from the magazine. So I cycle it again and I'm like, okay, that definitely didn't strip around from the magazine either. There's no magazine in this rifle. And so my my brain is immediately going a million miles an hour thinking, okay, like, I don't remember him telling me to load and make ready, but I'm not sure that if I stop here, uh, he's going to let me um, continue on or start over or what, because it had, hadn't didn't fired have, around. I hadn't fired around. There was yep. nothing in the rules that specifically talk about this Correct. specific at that instant, time, instance at the time. And, and my mind just kept saying, if I stop now and I start to discuss this point, um, I could get a zero. This is just going in my head. I could get a zero, and I'm only I'm only down like nine points for the day or whatever. Um, so I go to put my magazine in. I put my magazine in. It's uh, AW double stack mag, and I'm so far forward on the mag well that um, I put the magazine in, and it pushes all the rounds down. <laughs> now, is this an equipment failure? Yeah, it's an equipment failure, but it it was all started um, 
started snowballing due to the fact that I just I, I wasn't given the commands load and make ready. And, um, you know, so I ended up timing out on the stage. Long story short, we didn't need to go into all the excuses of how that happened, but it, it was started by the fact that I did not have a magazine in my rifle and the chamber flag was still in my rifle. Um, and, yeah, I got off the stage and I, the RO could tell that I was visibly, you know, bummed out about this. I wasn't like, coming off screaming and cursing and whatever i've i've no. seen some people act like that and he he's like dude do you want me to call shannon over here and, and see if we can restart this and because he immediately felt bad when he saw me fumbling and then i had magazine the magazine issue all jammed up rounds falling out the side of the action yeah and i think at that point just to be you had like a four five or a six it was somewhere in like a, a moderate yeah so i was gonna say yeah. you went from six out of like 10 i want to say it was a 10 round stage and it was like kyl and you had to pan back and forth between two different targets yeah, it was a, a rack, s- square rack and another kyl type rack it was a super small kyl like yeah. four inches at five, five fifty four fifty four, four inches at 450 yeah. yeah so i missed one or two shots there and then i timed out on um my last two shots so i had six impacts eight rounds fired and uh timed out because of the whole um the, the start basically and then getting getting all jammed up and and so he's like yeah and i said you know don't don't worry about it um it's it stinks but i don't i don't know what the rules are with this i don't know i don't really know um i just don't want to be that guy that you know is standing there red-faced and and asking for a reshoot yeah and i remember this ro because this i caught that portion because i have after i'm hearing like oh no i'm not hearing a lot of shots but i'm i hear not many shots for a long time and then i hear shots but no impacts i'm like oh what's going on and i kind of stopped then beep time's up and a couple seconds goes by and I'm seeing you pack your bag and he's saying, man, I'm so sorry. And he's apologizing. And I'm like, I guess I didn't catch what he's apologizing for because I only kind of caught in between the two. I just thought we were shooting fast. Didn't know that there wasn't a command given, but also recognized that he was apologizing. So up to this point, you're like, nah, it's okay. I, which I did hear you go. Yeah, I don't, uh, it's okay. I don't worry about it. I was the first shooter um, mm-hmm. and I had borrowed somebody's tripod. It was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Lee Stevens' tripod. Um, and so I, I always stay to, um, support the rest of the squad for spotting or picking up brass or whatever. So, um, the last person shoots and Shannon is driving up on the, um, side by side and the RO is like, he's coming up. You want me to go ask him? I said, no, please. I mean, this is just my initial thoughts is like, he's not gonna, um, he's not gonna let me reshoot it. I, I just, I don't, you don't see a lot of that. And he's like, I'm going to go ask him. I said, well, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> and so he goes over and asks him, talks to him, um, and Shannon pulls me over. And he says, hey, you know, um, it sounds like there was a lack of, of RO consistent commands. Um, do you, would you like to reshoot this? You'd have to keep whatever your new score is. I said, if you're going to let me reshoot it, I'll reshoot it. He's like, all right, you got 60 seconds <laughs> to get up there and reshoot it. Um, and you know when he and I was the last shooter of the whole day. I mean, it was the last yeah. stage of the first day. Literally, we were the last squad shooting. Um, I'm the only reason that the range is still hot, you know, because he's letting me reshoot this. And um, I look around, and, and the person whose tripod I borrowed was not there. And I said, you know what? They're letting me reshoot this. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I am going to just throw my bag up there and shoot the stage, and I get what I get, and I'm not going to complain. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I could have at least got those last two rounds out of my barrel and probably had a chance to get a couple more hits. So I reshoot the stage. I ended up getting a nine on the stage. So I improved my score by uh, three points on that. Um, 
Fast forward to the end of the match, and I had a pretty awesome day two. I only dropped two points on day two, and I won the match. Um, and now people are coming up to me. Um, 25 to 50% are, like, super excited, and then um, some other people don't. They, they didn't really know me, um, so they weren't, you know, making any comment. And then there's probably 25% of people that are pretty royally ticked off because um, they feel slighted by the fact that I had a chance for a reshoot and took it and um, they've probably had experiences in the past where they didn't they weren't allowed to reshoot and I fielded a lot of uh, we'll just call it frustration from other shooters that had um, they considered a similar instance and were not allowed to reshoot um, but it kept coming back to uh, equipment and their issues in, in their explanations. And there's no denying that there's probably been some inconsistencies with the application of this rule. Um, yep. I'm not trying to deny that. Um, and the other thing I will say is that I never physically or actually asked anyone for a reshoot. So in my mind, I mean, there was no harm, no foul. I mean, who wouldn't want to, um, who wouldn't want to take, you know, the chance to reshoot a stage that they felt like they weren't given, you know, the best chance for success. And it comes back to your original statement of, yeah. you know, we spent a lot of time, effort, money, and resources and everything. Um, and turns out that, um, you know, I still would have won the match if you had taken those three points away anyway. I would have won it by one point. So it wasn't significant per se for that specific day, but it ended up being, you know, significant at the end of the season, which is, yeah. which is what some of the people's arguments were. And, I really liked um, I really liked Shannon's approach to what he said and what he always says if there's a reshoot. Do you know what he says? Yep. Okay. Do you want to say it? Or do you want to say it at the same time? Is this like the John Stamos like stepbrothers thing? Uh, <laughs> you say it. Yeah. You say it. Did we get it right? Did we get it right? Yeah. Because that's what really matters um, for everyone to feel as fair as possible about the scenario. Did we get it right? And And it's not really something that really the match director has any control over the rules are in black and white right yep he, he reads the rules and he or she reads the rules he consults with the people at the stage and most of the time it's not the shooter most of the time it's their peers or it's the ro um and with the facts that he or she has available he applies the rules that are in black and white and hopefully they get it for the sake of the sport for the sake of the shooters for the sake of the match um, and the integrity of everything. Hopefully, it's they get it right. Yeah. Well, this I mean, this event spawned a couple of changes, right? Yes. And we should go through some of those because I think it's a really good example of how our sport is not static. The rules to our sport are not static. They are, in fact, dynamic. They're just dynamic on a year-to-year basis as we encounter more and more scenarios that that warrant some changes to make sure they can be more firm, fair, and consistent. Consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not triple F's. Firm, fair, consistent? Yeah. yeah. Um, FFC. Uh, the, part of that is, like, so one, that we're, the portion of the the RO rules commands. that say, hey, you RO commands and irregularities are not warrant for a reshoot. So this is important because by the term, doesn't warrant a reshoot. That's true, but there is now also an additional rule, which is diff- in an addendum. I forget. I couldn't quite find it on a quick glance, but basically... If the RO does not give you a command before you have fired your first round, you are able to ask for a reset. 
They yep, reset means that or restart. Yeah, you're able to go from, uh, but you can't have, you can't use it to or obviously put your equipment on a prop to test a position, get mm-hmm. settled, and then go. Oh, but you didn't do something so and so. No, no, no. You, it's still up to you to do it. A before you fire, and B not place effectively not placing bags to game equipment and test positions, um, which may be a point of future clarification. Like, hey, if you set your gun down and you see that, like, it's obvious that you're checking positions. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. it's obviously going to run afoul. But in this case, if that happens, you can actually pause as the shooter and say, "I would like to get a restart because you did not give me the commands to load, make ready, or any of those components." That's if it was not given. If it was given, and the RO knows it, and/or any witnesses there know it, you are not warranted a restart. Right. So you get you better be absolutely sure that you were not given that command. So you know now it's both both of us have I, the exact same process. And, and I do like the fact yep. that this is now um, described. I like that it's out in the air. Um, yeah, I feel a little uneasy about the fact that it had to happen uh, in my instance and but be I'm the sure center of the drama. To somebody but it, else, but it yeah. did happen. It does yeah. happen. And I will say, when I went down to shoot the Texas match before this rule was even instated. Um, I've heard Prentice Wink say, um, you know what? We don't want you guys to start with a struggle. Like, if you get on the prop or you get, you know, started on the stage and you don't have your chamber flag out or your magazine in, um, that's not a big deal. Like, tell us and we'll restart it. And that yeah. was just his approach for it because there's, why are we, there's no reason to force somebody to go through that. Going through the stage itself is, is difficult enough. And, there's no real reason that we couldn't. There's no advantage to, or disadvantage really, to um, the other shooters by letting somebody restart and put their magazine in and start with yep. their chamber flag out. It does, there's no harm, no foul. And no, it doesn't and waste 10 other, seconds. The only other way to resolve this would be that all matches have to be done with mag out and even flag in. And you just start always flag and mag out. That way, it's just this is the process, and it just ingrains you have to load a mag and you have to pull your chamber flag all on the clock. Mm-hmm. But that's not the the modus, you know. The status quo is not that at this point. So this rule makes a lot of sense if and when there are commands not given properly. But it's up to the shooter to recognize that they haven't been, and you can stop the RO. Whoa, nope, not ready. And that's usually what happens. I've had it happen a few times since with you know newer ROs who are like, shooter, um, you understand a course of fire? Yep, like. And from that, they're like, okay, stand by, beep. And like, they literally don't realize that they haven't given you any other commands. They're like, do you understand the course of fire? Yes. And then you hear a beep, nothing more. And I'm like, nope, nope, you didn't tell. I have to, shooter, do you understand the course of fire? Shooter, load, make, ready. Is a shooter ready? Stand by, beep. That's what it should sound like for the most part. Um, and there's no reason to put that stress on the, the new RO either. Like, no, the shooters and should be able to say fine. that. Yeah, so. and so we, I've done it a couple of times where I know that they haven't. I'm like, hey, just, you know, this is the proper command. And yep. they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot. I just, I missed that. My bad. No, no I think worries. it lowers the stress level of Heck the shooter yeah. and lowers the stress level of the ROs, and it makes it a more fun experience. So, yep. um, yeah, so, that was good. So, so that's what happened there. Um, that's the and first bullet point. Same this, gear. It was this, the other verification. It actually added that so that yep. you have to use the same gear because that was also recognized. Mm-hmm. And part of the process was like, hey, he didn't use the same gear. Well, it wasn't available because the exact same gear was already shooting another. Well, it was already they up moved the hill up and, and were already drinking beer. Up, yeah, <laughs> non-existent. Um, yeah. So that addendum now means that you do have to make the exact same gear or else the re- reshoot is a zero. <laughs> you can shoot it all you want, but you'll get a zero for it after that. Yeah, um, and knowing yeah. knowing that, um, 
and and I I try. Hopefully, I it doesn't sound like I'm making excuses because honestly, that's not my intent. I, no, for the integrity of the sport, like I want this, I want these rules to be applied consistently. So, um, the thing with the bag, I just like 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 I said, like you just said, the gear was not available. Um, and honestly, when he said I had you know a minute to get <laughs> get my magazine ready and and get going, I said you know what, let me just throw a bag on there. Um, tripod would have been a little more stable but it was fine the way it was um so fast forward to um the um there's been two other instances where i've been afforded the opportunity one was a target failure and um this was at prentice's match in texas and i don't think you were there i don't think so i was not um was this year i was shooting a rooftop stage and the third position it was four targets from each position the third position the fourth target fell down and um they saw it happen and then um they saw it happen on the second engagement and by the time i got to the third position and i got to the first three targets and cleaned those they said all right stop stop cease fire and i was like well what's going on here you know like and they said well the target had failed and they were letting me get as far as i could and they noticed it and they said, okay, you had like six or eight seconds left on the clock. Um, Prentice is going to go fix it, and you can either choose to start at that point uh, in that position where you were and shoot that last target, or you can start from the beginning and reshoot the stage. I said, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm already clean through 11. I might as well just shoot the 12th target. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, uh, so, and so I think anybody re- realizing and, and reading that scenario would, would feel like we got that right because there was 95% of the target was below the horizon. Like, you couldn't see it. It was down in the ditch. Yeah. That wasn't the one that, um, over the swamp, was it? No, that was probably different. This was over a swamp because there's a lot of them, but no, this was a different target. Yeah. Different different match. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a good example of, you know, times that reshoots make sense and reshoots that don't. Um, So the next reshoot... And this is another one that I think is a really good example because there's more than one way that uh, a reshoot can be. What is this guy doing? I guess he is trying to get in. Um, I'm going to let a reshoot him merge. be authorized. I mean, we have a lot of you know ways that we've talked about up to this point. At least a couple of examples. You know, reshoots are generally speaking a rare thing, other than situations that are outside the shooter's control, target failures, cease fires. But there are also some weird, ambiguous situations. One in which I guess you know technically I would have been afforded a reshoot, and this actually, and I didn't know at the time. I just kind of I fixed it, sort of, and it would have, it cost me a point, which would have cost me. It did cost me two places, one or two places, um, at a Wisconsin match. Um, it was a specific sequence, and I'll describe this scenario. But it basically, it's when you have a set sequence for firing positions when you have that and say one target and you skip a position, there's two ways of inferring that scoring method. And you, you it, it doesn't add up to very potentially very different scores. So your first one is you have, let's say five positions and you're supposed to go one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. And if you go one, two, three, four, five, but you don't shoot your second shot from position, like the second time on number five, i.e. five, five, four, three, two, one, you go one, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. There's two ways to score this. One is that your sixth shot must have, must be from position five. Your seventh shot must be position four and so on and so forth. Therefore, since you shot them out of sequence, you get five points, not 10 or not nine, right? The other way to infer it is that you just skipped that position and you went 
for nine. Like, I'll say I impact all of them, but I only fired nine rounds. I would get to the end and realize, crap, I only you could only get nine points. Yeah, because most of the time you're allowed to skip positions for whatever reason. If the if you Correct. don't like the target size or the wobbly, you can just announce it. Hey, I'm mm-hmm. skipping this target. But yeah. if you don't announce it... Yeah, and this is where the ambiguity yeah. comes in, which is where rule changes often start. When we define that there's an ambiguity, and this is a real problem. I mean, this, I'm saying not saying this is a problem, but I'm saying ambiguity is something that we, in as a, as a sport, are doing our best to weed out. At a committee level, at a shooter level, we're trying to identify areas where we can become more fair, firm, fair, and consistent with all the rules and the application of them. Um, on this stage in Wisconsin, it was exactly as I just described, where you go one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. Well, in my case, it was that alone. It's a little bit of a gray area. It's really on the shooter to know that. But more often than not, at least in most of the matches that I've seen, if you were to do that, when you skip, you're effectively just forfeiting that round. So there was no. I would have gotten a nine out of ten if I had not done anything different. I just would have kept hitting. Well, in my case, I got to five. I moved to four, impacted, and. I didn't hear anything for a split second, and then I heard impact from behind me, and someone called it, and I didn't know any better. I just kept going because at this point, if they had not called an impact and they said physically, no, no impact, and it was not, and I would have had to think, why was it not an impact? But it was an impact. It was from it the wrong It was an impact. Position. It was just, quote, from the wrong position. Yeah. Yes. And it's hard for ROs sometimes when it's an yes. RO and then it's shooter ROs because... We're people, calling impact and they're calling scoring, but they're also on top of the position. Yeah. So there was no way for the shooters who are calling impacts and looking through binos to know that the shooter wasn't in the right spot, only that the spot or the RO is giving a point or not based on their command, but they're also looking at the shooter. Oh, he's not in the right position. It doesn't matter what they say. But he's not telling them he's in the wrong position, and he's not communicating that to the shooter. Correct. So it's and it's, a, it's a slippery slope because you can't... You can't as coach a, as on a, the clock. Yeah, as, as an RO or as the, yeah. the RO... The, the stage RO on the iPad, um, you're technically not supposed to say wrong position or, you know, out of sequence. So how do you communicate that amongst the spotter and the RO that's running that stage? How do you do that? You know, it's yeah. difficult. It's very, it's a, it's ambiguous how you would deal with that situation and under the pressure of time on the clock with, you know, shooters that are highly competent at hitting targets and navigating stuff, but still made a very small mistake. You don't want to derail their day. It's not yeah. intentionally trying to, you know, screw over the shooter and get them five out of ten hits. No, not at all. But at the same point, you have a hard time You have a hard time treating it consistently because yeah. there's not an exact scenario for that. No. Um, there's no script for it, you know? There isn't, and it's really infrequent because, and this is, it gets more complicated than this, and it happened as well. We fast forward a, f- a couple of months, and we actually had another match at Collis, only this mm-hmm. time it was with you. Mm-hmm. And there are times, so this was, what I was describing was a forced position. You shoot these sequence of positions and shots from each position. Um, one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. Well, what if it's hit to move on on a target sequence or a big little where you must impact a target and then you it changes what you do on the next thing. So let's say and the next thing is harder than the first thing. Yeah, so <laughs> let's say target 1 is big, target 2 is small, but after two shots you move, but you don't and you move positions for instance, but you or you don't move positions, you stay where you are but you advance one target forward and repeat that sequence for two shots and then move to the next array. So, you shoot the first target, you hear impact as soon as you hear the word impact, as a shooter, you're immediately transitioning to target two, which is a smaller target. 
if it was an erroneous impact though, or it was called and all of a sudden we go, oh no, that wasn't an impact, then all of a sudden there's ambiguity. But if the shooter has already released and at, at, the, sh- at the pro level, the cadence of a sh- pro shooter is on the order of one to two and a half seconds between shots, two and a half being slow for a lot of shooters from a stable position like prone. For a re-engagement. For a re-engagement. Like yeah. if I went target one, target two, um, it would be about one and a half to maybe two seconds. Um, two and a half, three seconds on a really slow shooter If for a pro level. If you're talking the same target, it might literally be one second, maybe two. So if you can think one, 1,000, done. They've already got a second shot out. Um, in this case, if somebody calls impact on the first target, but you actually shot at the wrong array, or you shot at the right target, but it, then we decide, oh, that wasn't actually target hitting because there's so much mirage, we actually didn't see that. We saw dust from behind because of somebody's vantage point, and somebody just erroneously calls an impact. The majority of the spotters disagree because we had multiple spotters, four or five spotters, six spotters up. Um, all of a sudden, you now created a scenario for the shooter that is unavoidably out of their control they have been instructed that it was an impact they advance targets when everybody else disagrees and now technically you're shooting at the wrong target and the shooter has no way to know that and if they've already sent around they have burned around that they may not have the ability to get back because they don't have extra in their mag you can see where this all devolves really quickly and then from the next shot next sequence if the same thing occurs or an impact goes uncalled and they don't they know it's an impact, it's not called, and then they reshoot. Like, there's some problems that occur, and that's exactly what happened in the case that we're, I'm referring to now, right? We're at Wisconsin during the gap grind, uh, or not Wisconsin, we're at uh, the gap grind. Um, we had five, six spotters up, and I was on call. I think it was three plus you. Yeah, it was three or four other people. I mean, okay. there, were dozens, there was a lot of people on class. And there was one round impact, second round impact. The next target array, or third target array, um, there was a shot that from my vantage point, um, as soon as I saw it going up and like the splash and the spall, it looked exactly like, and it was really, really heavy mirage. It was right around 650 to 700 yards in a, like the thickest, shadiest, shadiest part of the range. It looked exactly like I'd see on all the other impacts where, you know, it was, the target's already wiggling <laughs> because it's already really mirage yeah. Um, about 61 miles. So we got a ways. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, target's wiggling because of mirage. I see gray puff and it's, I call an impact and I wait and it's like about half a second to one second later. I realize that I can see where it's drifting the dust. And I'm like, Oh gosh, that's like 50 to a hundred yards behind the target. That's not an impact. But from my angle, even though it was directly behind the shooter, it looked perfect. It just wasn't, it was, it was just a really bad optical illusion. And off to the left, I could, I looked and I'm like, oh, guys, and I'm looking at the rest of the squad and they're like, no, was not an impact. And they're like, not an impact? By the time I mean, we even had a chance to move, I turned to look at them and Chad's firing another shot and we had already said impact. There was no way for him to get back. Now the next, from that point, the very next shot, um, we are going, that's not right. He's, he's out of sequence on that target, so that's not an impact. But he hit the target, but he's shooting at the wrong target because we made the wrong call. And yeah, so it just it wasn't. It, it wasn't something. Yeah. Again, it wasn't something that I was. I felt great about because. And know, this, I should have hit the target. Your yeah, I should have hit the target in the first place. Um, and when you guys said impact, I was like, okay, I impacted. Must have been left edge because I saw it skip off to the left too. Yep. And um, and you, you I know. think you missed the next target. And again, our call. And this is the other reason. 
you miss the next target. So we called impact, and a, sh- a shooter makes an assumption that if there's an impact and he sees something, um, but the next change, he may or may not. He's like, maybe I didn't see what I saw. You do or right. do not make a win call change based on the, the prior shot's result. And if, and it was really hard to resolve our own impacts at that particular stage. Mm-hmm. So your next call to refine it is now, well, I'm in the ballpark. Yeah. And instead of making the correct change that you would have made ahead of been result in a miss, it's if miss, you have two options, and you're other than stay the same, and it's more likely that you would have had an impact on your next round if we had not set impact. Yeah, I and I, just yeah. thinking through it in my head and remembering and replaying it is like one of those scenarios where you come off the stage kind of like a little bit bewildered <laughs> about oh, yeah. like I remember. how that went down, and I was just like, okay, I mean, I guess it is what it is. And then the other guys, uh, I can't remember who were on glass. They're like, hey, you know, like, we kind of got you mixed up there. Um, yeah. I was like, yeah, I definitely was mixed up because I thought you guys said impact. And uh, Matt was the RO on that one. And, and I went over and I talked to him. I said, you know, like, I, I'm not going to – you can say no to this, but I just – I got to see what your thoughts are on this because yeah. – And then I re- – actually, I was the one who physically called Shannon over. I remember saying, we need to call for – I was backing that up. We asked for four people in our squad – hey, guys, do you think this warrants a reshoot? So we had four shooters who are actively competing against you at this point, Yeah, all in agreement that we made the wrong calls collectively as a group, which affected your performance. And so we said, we need to call Shannon over. Shannon wasn't then the one that came over. It was actually um, Jay. Jay. Jay came over. And then Jay asked for the description on the stage. And he said, tell me what happened. And I just described it, and I didn't use names. Um, we had three shooters. The three or four spotters who were there were all standing with me with, near Jay. And I was nowhere around. And, yeah, like, Chad, I tried to you were over by the stage just <laughs> putting your gear together, putting getting ready to, to do stuff if you were going to shoot. Otherwise not. didn't matter. It was just, it is what it is. And I'm like, a shooter did this. We, as, a, as shooters, spotters, gave commands. They were out of sequence from what they were supposed to be shooting because of our commands. And it also affected the potential for any calls as a result because we can't see splash. You can't see misses. But if you hit the target, you can see the target rocking. That's the only real visible kind of indicator you had on this stage. So not only did we give him a wrong command, he would have likely hit the bigger target on a second engagement, but we didn't. So he missed the little target because we also thought he hit. And then the next sequence, his wind calls are off and we're giving him the wrong command because we then missed an actual impact on the next target because it was impossible to see. It's like all those things added up to we made bad choices, even as pros, as spotters, and we affected a competitor's score. So collectively, we're like, look, this is the right call to give this shooter a reshoot. And Jay asked, you know, what would you do? I'm like, I believe it warrants a reshoot. So did the others. And they all agreed. And so Jay said, did we get it? And Shannon comes over after that again. Did we get it right? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like there's... I don't care if it's a first-time shooter or the guy who's literally going to win the championship in front of me at that point. That person, under those circumstances, deserves a reshoot because the competitors and or the spotters, you have a course of fire that is dictated, the sequence is dictated by the commands given by spotters. Yeah. And at that point, if it's if the failure is on the, the RO or the spotters, there is, it is outside the shooter's control. Therefore, it warrants a reshoot per the rules. Yeah, and it still it still feels. Yeah, I know it, it still, still sucks. It still because, sucks. Yeah, it still sucks because it, yeah. you you go through it and you want to get it right the first time and everybody does. Um, but 
the, the rules there for a reason so that it's, it's consistent and it's fair. And, um, you know, and then in the back of my mind, this was a stage again where I had used a tripod and everybody else was using a bipod in a bag. And I'm yeah. like, I still felt good about my position. I was, I wanted to re, reuse that gear anyway, but I made sure I deliberately called out to the RO. I was like, okay, I'm going to reshoot it exactly the way I shot it before. Remember, I, th- I threw a bag down there and I, yep. I deployed my tripod on the clock and I used the tripod rear. And, and he's like, yep. And so I, I shot it exactly the same way it was. And um, yeah, and the rest is the rest. So I guess I, I wanted to bring up this topic because it's very, it, people get very emotional over it. And I think it's because they can see themselves in that scenario. If they haven't been in that scenario before, they can see themselves in it. But if they have been in that scenario, I think um, until the rules get more clear on when and how and why a reshoot is allowed, um, then the scenarios have been treated differently over the years. And I feel like uh, for the sport, the sake of the integrity of the sport and the growth of the sport, it is very important how this, um, how these rules are applied. You know, Agreed. It should be black and white. And like you said, the rules have evolved. Um, and, you know, part of them are because of the experience that I had a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, for, for the better, for in my opinion, for the fairness of the competitors that may encounter something like that. And and um, I'm 99% sure that that day, uh, number one, it was my first pro win. And, you know, it, it took a little bit of the shine off of it for me, to be quite honest, yeah. because of the way that, you know, people responded around me when, you know, they're always rooting for me. And then, you know, behind the scenes and then to my face afterwards that, you know, it was a little different scenario um, because the most of them weren't there, and one of these people was even in my in our squad, but they weren't there. Like they walked away yeah, before the end of the yep. the stage before and before the reshoot and before they were gone. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, that uh, yeah, that just was not as awesome of a day as it, it should have been for me. I'm just being quite honest, and then. It followed. It followed me all the way to the finale, um, and eventually standing there holding, you know, the the tenth place season bullet, um, which I'm pretty sure was affected by that score on that day. So, yeah. Um, whether you guys agree or disagree with how that played out, or 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 how that happened, or whatever, I mean, there's nothing I, I can do about that. All I can t- say is I. I shoot my ass off and I try to be as um, positive and consistent as possible. And I'll still stand by the fact that uh, I've never personally requested uh, and called over uh, and demanded a reshoot. It's always yeah. been an organic scenario where it was a culmination of, of everybody's in the squad um, being the driving force for, you know, keeping it fair. And then Shannon's statement is, did we get it right? Um, so, yeah. And I think this is a big this is a big point in addition to that is so reshoots that occur you know it may it may seem like reshoots happen with you know good shooters more often or when it happens with a good shooter the the general perception is oh of course you know a top 10 top 20 top 30 shooter is getting a reshoot oh come on this has got to be like gaming well it's because there's a couple of reasons why that's more likely to happen one they're hyper acute to the rules like, and I know we are hyper-acute to the rules. We understand that fairness above anything is what we're striving for. And candidly, it's up to us to help make a decision to say, look, this doesn't feel right. Like, like as a sport, we've been doing this a long time. We're competing well. And all things being equal, you know, it, one to two points at our level will literally make the end of the season. One shot to two shots. So if we, if we 
if we have a lot of matches where matches in place A or place B are run differently and the rules are allowed to slide where a, shooter A gets a reshoot for whatever reason and at another match, the same shooter A can do the same things and not get a reshoot. Uh, this other location, all of a sudden, the scores are far less relevant, especially when you know it matters and they might get one or two reshoots and it happens every match. I, I'm not saying that's how it happened, but it, logically it makes sense that top-level shooters are going to be the ones to be put in a situation where a reshoot is more often either if it's offered, it's taken, because and I, being blunt, you know, if you're just starting, you may reshoot it, but the score isn't likely to matter as much the three points additional as it will to someone who three points is the difference between the entire day. Like, top to bottom, you're chasing one, two, and three. So, I think there's a lot of good discussion that comes of us examining the rules, trying to make them more fair, and, you know, to your point, same gear came out of it. You had to reshoot the same gear the next year as a result of the same reason. And I think that's a great rule change. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a perfect rule change. Like, yeah, if you're going to reshoot it, you just got to do it the exact same way. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome, because if, if you did have a reshoot and you can find it on technicality and you did it the really the wrong way with the wrong positions and the wrong gear and it was too cumbersome, hey, man... You made that decision the first time. If it's a technicality outside of your control, you're going to reshoot it the same way because it wasn't your gear that was preventing you from completing the stage. Um, fast forward, I think there's still some room for growth within the sport as we talk about scoring and how scoring occurs because of the ambiguity between, let's call it priority of point assignment, target priority, position priority, or any designated number of shots per target or per sequence. Those can, and then let's call it uh, dictated command fire command sequences where you have to hit target one before you hit target two. And if there's no call, some of those situations really get dicey where you can make major swings and outcomes as a result. I but do it, think that the course fire dictates the potential for those types of things. I, I mean, agree. We shoot in Michigan and the course fire is very mental and hard to follow. And in those matches, there's not a stage dedicated RO. So it's hard to prove if that stage is being handled the same from squad to squad to squad. And, yes. and we've collaborated between squad moms before to try to make sure we get the stages right. Those types of scenarios, although they're fun and they're cool to shoot a match like that, it makes it very hard to have a consistent, um, a consistently held stage yeah, to know that squad for squad. every single squad ran it exactly the same way is far more difficult. Yeah. Because it's the daisy it's chain effect. Yeah. The first shot squad that shoots it knows that they did it this way because there was something ambiguous. They'll communicate it to the next squad, but maybe that squad doesn't communicate it all of the information. Hey, just by the way, we're shooting over here. But the squad mom in the next one doesn't recognize what they said per se, and they move the shooting location, which impedes... And the next squad yeah. is coming up, and all of a sudden, five squads later, they're like two bays over, or a bay over, and all of a sudden, you can't see a target or something similar. It is a problem that when you think through, this is on the MDs. I mean, this is yeah, on this us is, as an MD. I was bringing it up because of that. Yeah. We design courses of fire regularly to test shooters' skills. It's up to us to decide what skill are we testing, and can it be completed within the time limit, the skill set, the equipment provided that's typically typically brought to our matches. If it requires that you have two bipods, a tripod, six bags, and a slinky, it's probably a pretty poor stage to design um, because you wouldn't get through it because most people aren't carrying slinkies. But I'm going to pack that for my next, put it on my checklist, um, just in case. The, but the if it's just a standard skill, but you, you have a really complicated, say, target sequence, 
but you also make that complicated target sequence one that's hit to move on, and there's no structure to it, mm-hmm. and you have to memorize it. That's hard for the ROs that are spotting it. That's extremely <laughs> difficult. So let's say it's hit to move on in a random order with an unknown distance and no markers, and the RO calls out a sequence. It's a little bit he said, she said at that point. So having good target indicators to indicate the target sequence, what you shot and where you should be, is ultra important. I know in our Michigan match, I actually made one wrong call, and then somebody else happened to call it right, and I'm like, ooh, you're right, I was on the wrong target. Like, I'm panning to the wrong target as a spotter. Yeah, I'm like, man, I'm glad somebody else was up, because I, I, I was looking at the wrong target. Th- those situations need to be as minimal as possible, so that as an, as an MD, we're designing courses of fire that are not only consistent and easy to follow to test specific skills as a shooter, but easy and consistent to score as a spotter and an RO. Mm-hmm. That is equally as important because if we design stages where uh, you know, candidly, the best shooters are shooting and you know everyone else is newer in their squad and they're trying to spot, it's unlikely that they're going to be as good at keeping track of targets as the, the shooter who is up that is the best shooter in the squad. So the squad, the mom, is at a disadvantage. So there's a lot of really interesting points that are made as you start really looking into the details of how we shoot and what we shoot. And those are, these are not like, hey, this is a problem. You have to not do this. The reality of our sport is we are likely going to end up with shooter-based spotting more often. Yeah, It's how we're, we're growing like crazy. More people want to shoot. Less people want to RO. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you shouldn't RO. That just means it's harder to get dedicated stage ROs. Um, that said, that means we have to design stages that are around, designed around those. And maybe it means, hey, it's more precision-based and less game-based, um, if you will. Like technicality on stages, technical and mental cerebral challenges probably need to be toned down if you're using squ- squad-based ROs, RO option two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going the other way and you're talking about dedicated ROs all running it the same way, then, yeah, you can maybe have some stages where those technical things remain, right? Yeah, and I think Nate has done that in uh, Michigan, Michigan a couple yeah. times where it's normally eight out of the ten stages will be, uh, you know, RO option, whatever it is, two, where the the squad ROs themselves, and then there'll be, like, two dedicated stages that are more complex, and those are those are dedicated ROs that brief the course fire, and they manage the uh, person through the course fire to make sure that it's consistent and fair. Yeah. So that's a good, I think, that's a good hybrid approach because I do agree with you. Um, less people want to RO and more people want to shoot. And honestly, you got another uh, thing that happens, which I'm not sure how you feel about. We can maybe talk about it in a different episode, but match directors shooting their own matches. Um. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that it's worthy of its whole episode. I mean, no. maybe it's one we'll stick in here. I, I don't, personally, I don't agree with it. I mean, I have shot... I'm an, MD, I'm an MD in their 22 series. And I'll just give my reasons why first and foremost. and then, But I also understand the logistic constraints. So, But I'll explain my full view. One, as an MD in the Rimfire series, um, I design courses of fire, but I, I shoot them. But my score has never graced the PRS scoreboards yeah. once. Why not shoot them? And then I shoot them all the time. Score, yeah. I just don't track my score. Yeah. Because I, and again... Whether or not people agree, or if you're somebody who does, if you are an MD and you are shooting your matches, 
here's the downside. I, I don't agree that we should be shooting our own matches because of the perceived impropriety of you knowing that there may be something that was wrong that either doesn't get stated. Now, that's super unlikely. However, there's also the fact that you could be more familiar with stages and sequencing that gives you a small but consistent advantage over the course of a season. And you I don't probably mean have shot them before. a point or two, but yeah, if you proof the stage and you realize that, oh man, two inches is too small, I'm going to go to three, but it requires that you, you know that particular wind you know where you're going to go and it doesn't require you to watch the shots as long because you know exactly where the next position is or any number of reasons um or you know the trick right if hey there's 10 positions on this of if possible but you can't five see them from are, one are usable yeah. and you just know that and yet you don't it's not the squad hasn't figured that out man that's a big advantage but so, i also understand their point like i like i like shooting so that's yeah. why I, I i happen to agree with you and i don't, I don't want to get a whole big no you know, this is blowback short. on this but i feel like um i like shooting so much that uh, i can't be a match director because i prefer to shoot it, yep <laughs> and that is the downside yeah i like shooting 22s just because it's good practice on really just my process more than anything i don't care if i hit targets it's also good for me to know i'm not designing a course of fire that's flat out impossible to achieve the level of consistency that i think they should be achieving um however the downside is by shooting it or i should say the upside of shooting it is simply that a you get a chance to prep the course and know what it's like and how how the shooters around you are gaining proficiency two you may not have time as an md to shoot any other matches but i think if i had to not shoot any matches or Candidly, if I'm so pressed for time that I can't shoot any other matches outside, maybe 30 minutes away in Rimfire or a day away, I'm probably not going to be as have enough time to shoot as a shooter anyway, or at least not be an MD. Right. I'm probably too pressed for time to do both. And I don't know if given the choice, I'm not sure. It's 50-50. You could say that it's not worth... It. I wouldn't want someone to not compete as a result, but I also don't know that everyone else who's competing, if a person has enough skill, they're generally better shooters who tend to be MDs, and it puts a competitive advantage in place for them, whether it's their own centerfire match or their own rimfire match, that they really shouldn't have. I know at the pro level, it is virtually unheard of. I can't think of a single pro-level MD who shoots their own matches. The pro-level matches. Yes. But there's but our, there are pros that shoot the regional centerfire matches. matches. It happens frequently. Yeah relatively speaking and at yeah. rimfire matches it happens far more frequently so it it scales with the perceived call it importance yeah. or, or significance significance yeah. of the state of this this yeah. platform okay. i mean I, I don't i'm not proposing any changes i just I, it's something that i've thought about when i see that happen and there's uh, trophies and, and stuff like that it's just it's, it is what it it's is it's for the same reason we started we all yep. invest a lot of money into this sport yep. and to have and we like shooting and, and you know it's it's not for us to say that anybody who shoots rimfire or centerfire one days you know I shoot all of them and yet I know that my score like the people who are shooting rimfire see as much or more value from the rimfire matches that we put on in their progression through the rimfire series yeah. as I do in the pro series yeah. so who's who is it who are we to say that oh it's okay if we do it here as an MD because we're a good shooter and we don't have time to shoot any other matches, so we're just going to shoot and count it. Well, isn't that kind of counter and unfair to people who are dedicating their time to Rimfire yeah. that are just as good and you're now in the mix? I, I really just have a hard time with it ethically. Um, I think it's... It's, it's, it's just, not against the rules it's yet, not. so go yeah. for it. It's morally, <laughs> I don't know, make your call ethically. I just don't think it, it falls... It doesn't send the right message for what we are trying to do as a sport. However... I totally understand that some people have to do it. 
So I've, I've just chosen no, but uh, I don't know. Well, that's I can tell you, I can um, that's why I can't be an MD. That's one reason. <laughs> the other reason is because I told the Wheelers that I can never live up to their. Um, oh man, they make it. Yeah, so hard I told Ken and Missy to like I can never be a match director because I will always be measured against you guys. So yeah, and I can never be a twenty-two match director because you know the guys love you, guys and gals. So I'm never going to be able to fill those shoes. So anyway, oh, I know you can be an air rifle match director. If there, there's, Done. Can you shoot air guns <laughs> in not, the not 22 offi- series? Not officially. Okay. Not, no. Um, but we'll see. That's probably something that, that will ultimately fun. come up, like if there's an air gun division. I, yeah. I don't think it would be ill-received, ill-conceived to have an air gun division. Why not? Yeah. But, I, you know, complete sidebar. I, I actually really <laughs> think there should be bolt gun, gas gun, air gun. If there were three divisions, for those three divisions, and, you know, gas gun, Gas gun versus bolt gun. I kind of don't like the production series, in my own opinion, because some of these darn production guns. I shot a CZ four fifty seven stock, like that would have made production class. I mean, Shoot it amazing. flat out out shoots hammers. everything. It, it hammers. It hammers. <laughs> right, Chucky. All right, man. Um, I hope we didn't get totally too different. We don't want to get into sidetrack yeah. stuff. Yeah, but I mean, but, I, I hope the whole reason we started talking about this was was for reshoots. And, yep. and I hope you'll let me call this episode. Did we get it right? <laughs> oh yeah, this is a good one. If not, then um, then that's what I want here's to my, leave you guys on. Yeah, like, here's my bullet points on this. Right? Like I say, bullet points. I think we should leave you all with this message: you all are the PRS. Yeah. Anybody listening are. to this, we are all the PRS. So if we think that there is a collective reason to change something, we need to to show that. We need to just voice it and do it democratically. Do it the right way. Send it. Don't do it through back channels where you're just voicing and complaining and using that B word, if you will, about a bunch of stuff and never doing anything about it. Be polite, but be articulate. Drive it forward to the people that need to make that decision happen at a large scale level. And if there's enough demand and if there's enough compelling will across all of the MDs and they, you know, they can have an argument amongst themselves for months. And if, if ultimately it goes, hey, man, we just don't see it. Uh, and they're not telling you this. They're just, they can't come to consensus. So be it. If it, But it's if it's hot button enough. So point being, we own it. We drive it. We should be bringing those things forward if we feel that there's something to do. So when in doubt, think it through. Send it forward and see if you can get some response. And if it goes somewhere, it goes somewhere. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I still have some things that I, I would love to see change uh, in terms of rules long term I think they're smart and some of mostly evolving around safety and yeah. some other things that you and I both agree with mm-hmm. I don't want to air them here because the goal of this was not to air what our <laughs> grievances against anything at all we love this freaking sport yeah and I just wanted to be firm fair and consistent yep <laughs> yeah so good points um, like we said you know rules mean own it every day because yeah well, the match has already started yeah